Hello, everyone. This is Paul Aronowitz, your faculty host for Internal Medicine Story Slam. This is from UC Davis Department of Internal Medicine. And this next story is a very special one, and it's told by Dr. Mitu Mola, who is a beloved faculty member here at the School of Medicine, at UC Davis School of Medicine. And he is currently the chief of the section of hospital medicine, and he is a highly ranked teacher who has won many teaching awards and is a great role model and mentor to many students and residents, as well as faculty in his role as division and section chief of hospital medicine. So I hope you enjoy this story. This was told on September 14th at our second Story Slam ever. Enjoy. So my story is called uh, Awaiting Placement. (laughs) I had just picked up the service, a brand new attending, and I was getting to know one of my patients going on hospital day 10. As I entered the room, Mr. Ali sat there hunched over in a cardiac chair, expressionless. He had severe kyphosis of the spine and always seemed to be looking down at the floor as if this was a convenient way to avoid having to look you in the eye or make any conversation. He seemed withdrawn and detached. Compound this with the inability to speak a word of English, it was easy to spend the minimal time with him and move on to the next patient. The sign-out I got was a 60-year-old male, Arabic-speaking only, end-stage renal disease on hemodialysis, hemodialysis awaiting placement. Now, for those of us who spend a lot of time on the wards, these two words, awaiting placement, carry a lot of baggage. These are the patients that aren't very interesting. The ones we slog through day after day, avoid giving the house staff because they have no teaching value. The ones where you sort of peek through the door type rounds. Well, I must have picked it up from one of my attendings over time that one of the things I always try to do with my non-English speaking patients is to speak a couple of words in their language. It's been helpful for me to break the ice sometimes uh, to make a connection. So I blurted out, Kefa Halak, that's how are you in Arabic. He looked up at me for a second and then just looked away seemingly annoyed, and I was sure that I just offended him by butchering his language. Well, as the week wore on, I uh, couldn't get much more out of Mr. Ali. He would allow me to do whatever I needed on exam, but refused to open up. And the interesting thing is that every morning around 2 a.m., he would get a shot of morphine. Review of his medication profile revealed this happening on a fairly predictable basis uh, since admission for the last 11 days or so. During the day, he would be fine, but at night, around 2 to 3 in the morning, quite predictably, he would always be in pain. Well, I ended up skipping the plane films and getting an MRI of the spine, and the results floored me. There was a large paraspinal abscess at the thoracic region with bony destruction and lytic lesions. His insistence at always looking down was probably due to irreversible destruction of his spine. Now, suddenly, Mr. Ali became a lot more interesting. The case was presented at our monthly M&M. The question was asked, how could this patient with an abscess in his spine sit on a medical service through three different attendings over 12 days with no diagnosis? And it occurred to me that through all the discussion of clinical diagnostic errors, systems errors, individual errors, the bottom line is that we were all guilty of just going through the motions with our placement patient. As I got to know Mr. Ali, I found out that he was much more than just an Arabic-speaking male with end-stage renal disease. This gentleman was of Syrian origin, driven out of his home into a refugee camp in Jordan. He is one of the more than 6.6 million refugees internally displaced since the beginning of the Syrian crisis in 2011. 
a UN humanitarian organization was able to expedite his travel to the United States on medical emergency grounds, that little bit of insight changed my entire perspective completely. Images that we see every day on television, the little boy sitting in a chair, dazed and expressionless after a bomb had dropped on his family's home, or the anguish of all those countless shattered lives who had lost everything, caught between radical terrorists, a tyrannical leader, and a world that seems to have just turned its back. For Mr. Ali, it was up close and personal. He had lived it. He was one of the lucky ones, for he was able to come over early in the crisis. He came over at a time when we seemed a bit more giving. As an American Muslim, I've watched in horror the rise of ISIS and their extremist ideologies, brutal acts of terror that seem nothing short of insane and in no way representative of my religion. But it also seems so unjustifiable the way that we've chosen to deal with it. Our empathy and our compassion for those caught in the middle succumb to fear and paranoia. The ones suffering most are the ones like Mr. Ali. To me, it made more sense now why he was so withdrawn. He was coping with the horrors that he had just lived through. Maybe going through the motions is our way of coping as healthcare professionals to some degree. We have so many patients to see, so much responsibility. Our stress emanates from the frustration, broken processes, lack of a safety net for our patients to go to. Maybe we're all guilty of getting a little bit apathetic and disengaged at times, but I think it was a Grand Rounds lecture on humanism where the speaker advised us to just find one thing that you really like about your patient, just one thing, whether that be a physical attribute, a personality quirk, for every patient just as important as listening to their heart and their lungs. Now, for me personally, that clinical pearl has been more beneficial than all other clinical pearls combined. More important than calculating the delta-delta in your brain or spewing off a differential for GI bleed, it's the starting point for building a connection, for building a bond, for recognizing those special attributes in each and every patient that needs to be uncovered by us. There are so many forces on the wards which push you to go through the motions, you almost have to guard yourself against it every second, and this pearl was ammunition. Well, Mr. Ali slowly improved, though he was on service long after I had left it. He went to the OR, underwent vertebrectomy, completed his antibiotic course, and it was through the help of just an amazing social worker where we were able to find out about his situation and some of the horrors that he had been through as a Syrian refugee. As I think of him, I find it hard to believe that uh, many of us have bought into the rationale, bringing them over is not worth the risk. In one of the most vetted bureaucratic programs in government, where getting over here is virtually impossible. There's an old saying in Arabic, if you see something that's unjust, put an end to it with your sword. Uh, if you can't put an end to it with your sp sword, speak against it with your voice. And if you can't speak against it, at least feel it in your heart. Well, I don't have a sword, but as I continue to watch uh, what's happening with the Syrian refugee crisis. I think of Mr. Ali, and I'm grateful to him, for he has allowed me to feel those events all the more within my heart. And I'm grateful to you all for allowing me to speak his story. Thank you.